Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to this podcast from the ITAM Review in conjunction with Imnitsa. My name is AJ Witt from the ITAM Review. I'm an analyst here. I look at the uh, tools market and also look at um, cloud and sustainability. So today we're going to be introducing you to a new perspective on IT management, uh, enterprise technology management. I'm joined today by Andy Mitchell. Andy is field CTO at Umnitsa. Uh, he spent nearly 30 years in the IT industry in very diverse calls, including transportation, hospitality, finance, and healthcare. He's held roles from individual contributor to executive and really enjoys solving business problems, leveraging people, process, and technology, or more often than not, as we always find out, a combination of these elements. So, okay, so let's put some context around enterprise technology management and what we're talking about today. Now, enterprises have always had core systems to provide support for mission critical functions. You know, examples such as you, you'd have a CRM like Salesforce for, for managing that side of things. You'd have a financial system, be that NetSuite or, or, or some other older version of, of, of a financial system. HCM systems such as Workday for managing your personnel. And I think what's been missing from this is the equivalent for technology. So this is about the business management of technology in the same way as you would manage these other critical functions of a business. Now, why is that important? Well, technology drives modern business and technology management is really necessary to ensure productivity, competitiveness, efficiency and resilience. Over the past three, few years, enterprise organizations have been contending with the increasing hybrid multi-cloud approach, SaaS adoption, work, uh, workforce mobility, the hybrid workplace, shadow IT uh, development as well, and really as well in the context of trying to deliver rapid business digitization as well. Um, and this is all wrapped up as well in a world which is much more hostile towards IT, there are rising numbers and sophistication of, of cyber threats. Um, I did see just today that uh, a former employer of mine has, uh, has, has settled a court case just around that very thing. Um, so, you know, th th this, is a, this is a coming storm for uh, large organizations and small equally. So, the resulting influx of technology and its unprecedented diversity across physical, software, virtual, and cloud assets really challenges conventional IT asset discovery, lifecycle management, process workflows, all those things that we're used to, and also indeed uh, challenges uh, security oversight as well. And so managing all the processes such as inventory audit, compliance, um, information related to enterprise technology has become really dramatically more complex, quite costly, and more error prone than ever before. And organizations currently attempt to manage technology using what I see as a patchwork of systems and data silos that cannot keep up as diverse and distributed assets are deployed from purchasing through to the end of life. So your IT ops um, uh, function will, will have a tool and a data silo. Your security teams will almost certainly have multiple tools and multiple data silos. HR has the same thing, finance has the same thing. 
And so how do you make sense of all that? How do you manage that from a business context? And that's led to a creation of a new category of IT systems management called Enterprise Technology Management or ETM. And that really allows organizations to see, manage and operationalize workflows across their IT estate. Uh, endpoints, applications, network infrastructure, cloud, the whole thing. ETM really lets organizations automate processes through the asset lifecycle, from purchase through to end of life, um, leveraging their existing systems and tools. This is really about bringing data together out of these existing systems and tools. And this really allows IT leaders to have greater oversight over the technologies, the budget, the resources supporting the business, uh, while also empowering IT personnel to really gain the operational efficiencies you need uh, to manage this increasing complexity and really reduce mundane tasks. And so that's kind of putting it in context. Um, what Andy's going to do for us now is talk us through how, it, how this, this new concept really applies to a number of different areas, IT ops, security, compliance and audit, and finance. Um, so um, welcome, Andy. Uh, thank you for joining today and um, sharing your expertise around this. I um, was so wondering if you could... Um, if you could uh, provide some context of, about yourself, uh, you know, you, you, your career, how you came to UNITSA, why you came to UNITSA, um, and, and what you're doing there. Sure, that's a, that's a great intro, AJ. Um, well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't born an executive uh, field CTO, right? So like <laughs> a lot of folks, I started as a, as a Unix sysadmin or some sort of admin individual contributor. And, um, my job was, and what I was good at was primarily around building infrastructure and scripting, um, okay. really trying to glue different systems together that didn't always, um, almost never, talked to each other in a, in a consistent or compatible way. Hmm. Um, over you know, the last 30 years or so, my, my career has progressed, which is a good thing, um, mostly, but it's, it's uh, as I moved from individual contributor where I was trying to solve these sort of integration and IT problems and moved into sort of a, a management role where I either oversaw infrastructure in a data center or end user technology, you know, all the tech outside of a data center um, and started building this recognition that it was more than just um, IT that was necessary to run the business. It was also and understanding of the finance components and, and compliance and security and audit. And, um, but I was still trying to solve the same problem. I was still trying to figure out how I could integrate these things. I, I was just doing it from a different chair a little further away and I didn't have my hands <laughs> on a keyboard much anymore. Yep. Um, so I never really lost that desire to, to do the technology stuff. And, um, I guess a few years ago, I found myself getting up at five in the morning and writing code and uh, like manufacturing a side hustle so that I could build out infrastructure in the cloud and deploy software to it. And, uh, and then I would go to my day job, which was managing large teams and, and trying to organize business process. And um, just discovered I wasn't actually all that happy. I had a lot of responsibility and a nice paycheck, but I wasn't really doing what I liked or wanted to do. And um, I'm telling you all this for, for context because it's sort of how I came 
to Umnitsa. Uh, so I, I, I arrived at this position where I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. So I, I exited and um, took a couple of months to think about what I really wanted to do. And what I realized was that uh, I really wanted to be able to marry a little more technology with the customer and the automation and orchestration across the entire enterprise, right? Not just IT, but I wanted to understand how you married all the finance and compliance and security bits together. And about a year before I left my last assignment, I had purchased a tool called Umnitsa. One of my directors had brought this to me and, um, and I had a little light bulb go off when he was showing it to me one day because he was very excited about how Umnitsa was harnessing the power of the, the REST API that was present in so many different technologies. And uh, it was something that in my 5 a.m. you know pajama excursions I had run into and was starting to leverage myself just out on the side because I wanted to play with the tech. And we did a quick review of our enterprise and saw that our primary HR systems, finance systems, security systems, systems management systems, identity management systems all came with pretty full-featured REST APIs. And yep. the light bulb that went off was, oh my God, if we had a tool that integrated across and using REST APIs to talk to all of these, that would be, that would be a game changer. And, uh, you know, my director just kind of shook his head. I'm trying to tell you that. So um, we, we bought, we did our evaluation and and we did our competitive landscape and um, Unitsa came out on top. And so here I am a year later, you know, sitting at home in the living room and uh, relaxing a little bit. And I thought, that's the place I would like to go. That's, that's a product and a technology and an approach that I have been trying to find for the last 30 years of my career, whether as an individual yep. contributor or as somebody managing teams and trying to solve business problems. And so I picked up the phone and I called the last guy that I had dealt with at Unitsa, Unitsa which was um, their president of sales and, and SVP. And and I talked to him and I said, hey, look, I don't know what capacity you might be able to use me in, but uh, I think you could use me. I've got experience both on the customer side for the last 20 years buying products like this. Yeah. And I sort of understand the technology and what it takes to put something together. And, and for the people that are going to use a tool like this, what challenges do they encounter? And, yeah. um, you know, next thing you know, here I am chatting with you and, uh, just really happy to, to be here. So anyway, that's the long context of, of my career and sort of how I ended up at Umnitsa and why I'm sort of bullish yeah. on the technology and the concept. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I just wanted to sort of, uh, I, it, it, it sounds very familiar. I mean, uh, I'm sure to our listeners, um, we, we're very used to kind of cobbling together these different data sources, trying to glue them together to make sense of, context get context out of raw data to kind of make decisions and certainly for me I, I, you know I, I recognize that process I'm much like you um, doing that 20 30 years ago by just getting a feed out of something and trying to transform that into 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 a sense of sense or a meaning of something uh, yeah. I remember doing something to manage 
uh, something would be increasingly important these days. It's something to manage fuel costs for um, for sales reps for back in the day when we used to go driving around uh, everywhere and visiting customers. Uh, and that was gluing together three different sort of data sources. And as you as you mentioned, the key here are these REST APIs. You no, know, this world of APIs that we have that really enable you to, I mean, I, I'm guessing they really enable you to to talk in a structured way between systems, right? This, this is it, it's kind of the translation, it's kind of the babel fish between, between system A and system B. Yep, yeah, and, and I think more and more uh, OEMs and, and vendors are recognizing the value that they can provide in the industry by exposing mm -hmm. this data and allowing their customers to use it in whatever way suits them best. But as you said, doing it in a very structured manner and, and that whole definition around REST and you know, JSON payloads and such, it, it just, it, it makes the whole communication process um, relatively, relatively easy, right? Security is maybe the only bit, right? Where you're authenticating, but the, the understanding of the data itself and mm -hmm. both pushing it and pulling it becomes a very structured, um, consistent exercise, regardless of the technology platform you're talking to. Yeah, you know, and, and there, yeah, yeah, and and therefore, I, I guess that means that it's it's very reliable. So you can do that pull push. You can rely on the data to to be accurate and then make a change um, from system A to system B. That sort of thing. Yeah. No. I, for for sure. I mean, maybe maybe we walk a little bit through some of the the value pillars that yeah, sure. Uh, as yeah. In, maybe by a couple of examples, you can show a little bit about how how Unitsa approaches enterprise technology management and and where we think the value is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So let let's take a look. At, um, uh, I mean, I, this sounds quite often to be quite you know valuable in operations where you've got lots of moving parts how does how does this really support it operations teams to deliver on this huge amount of change that they're dealing with uh, dealing with at the moment sure it, it so operations doesn't exist in a vacuum right they uh mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's kind of the way we approach everything security is in a silo and uh, operations is in a silo but but operations gets equipment maybe from a VAR or an OEM and then they have to process it and then HR hires people in response to business need either up or down and and they have to then you know build and deploy equipment and then people leave and then they have mm -hmm. to pull equipment back and maybe refresh it um, and then eventually you know they the the assets reach an end of life period right as defined by finance not necessarily it right there's going to be some depreciation cycle associated with a capital asset like a laptop or a desktop yeah and so they've got to track that and now they've got a disposal job to take care of so you're right there are a lot of moving pieces that keep the operational folks um very very busy and uh from fifty thousand feet it seems all very easy right i mean what's the big deal like we hired somebody give them some gear and then when they leave just take it back hmm. we're it only so easy right um so where <laughs> yes. where Omnitsa comes into play is the the integration engine that we have again leveraging these rest apis that that enable us to talk and and get the canonical data from those 
sort of siloed proprietary systems, such as your organization is going to have a procurement function and they've probably got a, a, a procurement tool that almost yep. certainly has a REST API. So when you order something, say you've ordered 300 laptops, you're going to automatically get an update into NITSA about the status of those laptops, the purchase price and, and the delivery date and the model number and manufacturer. And if you're, if you're bar, as an integration with us, then like a CDW or an SHI, then we're going to automatically get all of that information. So now I've just locked on with my asset and I understand some pretty key attributes of that asset. Um, next, I'm going to get some, some HR data around when people are being hired and when they're being fired or when they're just departing the organization. So yeah. I'm going to ingest that data from my HRIS system, and I'm going to marry that against the inventory that I have, which I'm deriving from my procurement data, as well as my refresh data, right? The data on, on equipment I'm getting back from my systems management tools, yep. another integration that I've built out using, again, the exact same model that I use across all these technologies, my integration with my systems management and identity management, and HR, they're all the same, essentially. It's just, we just map different fields, right? Mm -hmm. But they all come into UNITSA where they're reconciled to build this model of a technology object, right? Just, just like we talk about HCM for, for HR, you mentioned it a little earlier, right? The, the financial yeah. management. And, and Umitsu becomes that sort of system of record that pulls all of these attributes together so that you have this technology model. And it allows you to manage the procurement process, right? Forecasting. I can now build forecast models because I've got all of the data I need. I can marry it together and I can build an automation workflow based on changes in that data that show me, hey, I need to go place a purchase order for another 200 laptops because my you know this business function has just told me they're going to hire 300 people over the next quarter and i know yeah. i've got a two-month lead time on supply chain or maybe <laughs> maybe i say i have a six-month lead time on supply chain now right and yeah. it enables me to visibility into the entire operations life cycle the the whole uh asset life cycle from the time I procure it to the time I dispose of it and allows me to automate all of those components in a way that, well, in a way that tools have been promising me they could do for the last 25 years, but could never actually deliver on. Um, yeah. And they, they always failed because it was some sort of proprietary integration and well, we don't integrate with that tool. So, so, so what, what it really, what I'm sort of detecting here is, what it really lets you become is much more proactive in 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 ops so you know you've got upstream you've got that demand coming from hr or from that department saying we're recruiting 300 people um and you can see from hr where those people are in the recruitment pipeline so then you know um when they're going to need their laptops given to them uh, right. You're also probably going to know as well, I imagine, where those laptops need to go because there's no longer the case that they're going to come into a nice shiny corporate office and pick those laptops up. They're going to be perhaps direct shipped, I imagine, to home locations, that sort of thing. So it, it just, and, 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 and as you say about supply chains at the moment, 
you really need this information because um, it's not a given that you can get a laptop in on Monday that was ordered on Friday, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. COVID, COVID has seen to that. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, that was that yeah. was a big challenge for us. Um, and I, I mean, if I'm being honest, that was a large motivation for us to consider uh, a tool like Unitsa um, mm -hmm. was our ability to respond to supply chain challenges. Uh, you know, the, the, the really nice surprise, um, well, and I guess if I'm being even more honest, uh, the reason that uh, we were particularly focused on Unitsa was its ability to help us automate the hardware asset recovery um, life cycle, because it's not just new equipment that you buy that stocks your, your inventory your stock room right it's the yeah. equipment that you get back and if you have a, a high turnover as a we did in healthcare and b as we really did during the pandemic and c as we did when everybody went to work from home right that was a real revolving door of equipment but it was a very leaky revolving door and mm -hmm. that a lot of yeah. people didn't come back out you know stuff just went away and um keeping track of all of that so that we could provide accurate, well, accurate and credible uh, forecasts and reporting for finance and HR yep. was, was huge. And, and I'm skipping around a little bit now, but from, from a finance perspective, I can tell you our CFO really wanted to understand why we needed to buy all of this equipment when we only, you know, why we had to buy 2X equipment when we only had X employees. Yeah. And it's because 70% of that is walking out the door after three to six months and never coming back. Yeah. Once we had the hard, consistent, credible data that we were getting out of Lumnitsa, I mean, nobody was happy, right? I mean, that was a huge cost to the business, but our credibility went through the roof and it was no longer this long discussion. It was, wow, okay, now let's figure out how we solve the real problem that we're not getting the equipment yeah. back. It's not it, IT yeah. operations failing. Exactly, it's it, it's it's that point, isn't it? It's about the data. You, you've 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 shown the problem. You've shown the pain that's coming from that problem. You put a number on it as well because finance knows how much those things cost, um, and and that generates that momentum for the business to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Mm. So I, I, we talk a little bit about the security aspects of it now. Is yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to move on to that. Yeah. So, you know, I think IT ops is something we're, no, we feel at home with. It's kind of kind of within our purview. There are very common stakeholders for us. Um, I would say also security increasingly for IT asset managers is a critical stakeholder. Um, they seem to have uh, a decent amount of investment and, and a decent kind of line to, to, to the C-suite as well, because it's such it's such an important area. So, so, so how does this um, concept of um, enterprise technology management really um, talk to security? So, operations can't really do anything without knowledge of what they're working on, and not just you know what they're working on, but where they're working on it, and what locally that thing that they're working on looks like. So, you know, we commonly talk about an attack surface and the, the fact that an organization has an attack surface that consists of, you know, edge routers and, and maybe laptops that were at home and then um, 
the perimeter security that we've got. And, uh, and the tax surface certainly got bigger when everybody went to work from home, because now all of a sudden my most vulnerable breach point, the, the personal PC, um, all of a sudden went outside of my four walls. I no longer had perimeter security. And there's a big, obviously a big change on, on enterprise security that was has been motivated in the last couple of years. But I, I, I nonetheless can't escape the fact that those 5,000 laptops that I had inside my four walls, inside a corporate office, all of a sudden became 5,000 laptops somewhere mm-hmm. at a Starbucks, in somebody's house, at an apartment, who knows where they are. Yeah. Um, and that as we move more and more into the cloud and, and our applications all become uh, cloud-based and, and I no longer need to log into any on-prem systems whatsoever, authentication is all federated and, and I may never touch a, a sort of legacy corporate system um, mm-hmm. in a given month. I, you know, I log into my Google and my AWS and my Azure stuff and, and I work in my Slack and, and you know, whatever my tools are, um, I'm all out in the cloud. So the ability to understand what's happening with all of those breach points and where they are, I call them breach points, but they're really just end user laptops. Yeah. Um, it's important to understand all of those individual pieces, but also understanding what is each of those individual pieces look like in terms of is this mac fully protected does it have any virus on it is it in, you know encrypted what about this pc um you know hey this guy's put linux on his laptop and uh what do those look like um mm-hmm. the challenge of course is that those are all managed by typically different systems intune might be doing a great job of managing your windows 10 infrastructure and you may have some legacy components still being managed by SCCM and your Macs are being managed by Jamf. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what you've put together to manage your Linux stuff. But um, understanding all of those components, just to be able to understand sort of that, that local attack surface on any individual um, PC or desktop, um, is incredibly challenging and, and very prone to error if you rely on manual efforts to do it. So yeah. Unitsa then integrates with all these individual systems management tools and allows you to identify security gaps and, and reduce that exposure um, by allowing your operations teams to attack where you have, maybe I shouldn't use the word attack, but to shore up any of those areas where, where you're lacking, right? Either yeah. because somebody hasn't put their machine on the network for two weeks and has come back from vacation and finds out they've missed, you know, three patch cycles. Um, well, we can, we can coordinate that, detect that, talk to the individual proprietary systems management tool that is responsible for doing the patch management on that and ensure it gets done. And, at the same time, we produce all of the compliance reporting around whether or not we are able to, operations is able to adhere to the policies put in place by our organization. So understanding what you've got, where it is, what it looks like is just, I mean, you just can't overstate how key that is to A, remediating gaps in it and should you actually suffer a breach, 
getting that information to your security ops team in short order, and I'm talking in, in a matter of minutes, um, that's also key. You know, what I've, what I've found is, is you can often identify the fact that you've got a breach on some desktop machine, right, it, or a laptop. It reports back that you've got a problem. Understanding where that is and who's got it can some, and how to reach them can sometimes be a little bit, well, and often a little bit difficult to do. And Omnitsa allows you to marry all those pieces together, right? Where the person is and location information. Yep. It makes a lot of that uh, much, much easier. Although, you know, not specifically a security tool, it does enable all of your security tools to work in conjunction and thereby reduce that, that attack surface and, and your exposure. Yeah, which, which is really important because um, certainly every security team I've ever seen has multiple tools, right? I mean, they, 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 they just have tools for very niche areas yeah. uh, quite often. So they may have three or four things, which aren't even talking to, to each other, and, and which is great in some ways in the sense that they've got a tool that is highly specific on a particular area. But then you, how do you, how do you abstract that, that management and um sort of governance layer out of it and 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 that's what this sort of thing brings together because yeah it's we speak a lot about visibility and um and knowing these things and on the face of it you think well that's really easy you know we, we can we can get a bio state and we can get a we can get a patch level we can get some location data perhaps from, from, from an ip address or something we, we but it's what's the what's the value of that and as you say the value is You've got this larger attack surface with everyone working anywhere, be that office, Starbucks, or wherever. Um, then, you know, that's why it becomes suddenly more important. And I guess also this then feeds into um, coming up at, out of sort of the operational side of security, comes into compliance and audit as well, which is sort of stepping a little further away from IT and and into more sort of business processes and. Um, and, and, and so on. How about compliance and audit? So you're, you're, you're right. So operational uh, efficiency is all about that activity of, of getting these things done. And security, of course, is all about you know, protecting those endpoints and, and your, your server and database infrastructure, network infrastructure. Um, compliance is all about proving that you're doing it. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, that's not, it's not a thing that people that are doing are always thinking about, right? They're, they're doing these things, but they're not having to report on the compliance of these things. So Umnitsa enables through the, through, through automation enables you to track everything that's going on and automatically produce the reports so that you're always you're always audit ready and your, your, your compliance rules, your policies are implemented within UNITSA in a way that makes it very easy uh, to see what you're doing and how you're doing it through workflows and, and integrations, and then produce the reporting on a, on a daily basis that shows how well you're doing tracking against those policies that have been implemented. Um, can I give you an example real quick? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. It might, yeah. might illuminate a little bit. Um, so a common challenge that I, that I used to run into with the auditors was 
you know, can you show us that your termination process is is adhering to your policy? And so that policy might be that, uh, you know, I have every I, I have system access terminated for a user within one hour of their termination date, right? Termination date and time. Yeah. And um, you could show the process, right? And say, well, we, you know, HR puts this record in and we get a report via email and then we file a ticket. And then one of our sysadmins goes and, you know, disables the account access. And the auditor would say, that's, uh, that's, that's great. Can you give us an example of that? Can you show us, can you walk us through like both, can you walk us through the HR record and then the email and then the, the ticket and then the assignment to the tech and then the disabling within the systems management thing. Um, yeah, sure, I can do that. Oh, hold on. Can you do it for this record here? Sorry? <laughs> can you do it for this specific record? Yep. Because we found that this one didn't actually get terminated in the proper amount of time. So can we walk through all of those five steps? And I'd like to see... I'd like to see how you know when it got entered into the HR system and when it got transferred via email and when the ticket was opened in your help desk and when it was assigned to the tech and which tech it was assigned to and when they disabled this and you're like, oh, yeah, boy. And, you know, three hours later, you could tell them this is exactly what happened on this one. And they're like, great, we just have four more um, data points that we wanted to touch on. Okay. With Unitsa, because all of that is automated, I can tell you exactly when the HR record went in, exactly when the ticket was created, because I've just cut out email, right? The ticket is now automatically generated via the ingestion of data from your HR system and yeah. automating the creation of the ticket. And I'm no longer assigning a tech because I've got an integration with the systems management tool that disables the user account. Now, I may not delete it, right away, right? Because I, it, it's still a system, right? And there's still an opportunity for something to, to happen. So I may review those at the end of the week, but I can automatically disable and I can track every single element. Not only have I taken out half of the elements, but I can now track every element that goes, goes through the process. And now I can generate a report that says, hey, here's, here's the HR termination date. Here's the actual date of termination and I can have a report that shows me where I've got any compliance gap in a, in a daily report that allows me to address those prior to any audit showing up. And now I can put together the exact record that shows me, oh, well, here's a IT termination date that is, you know, a week after the HR termination date. But yeah. I can look at the record for HR termination and find that the date that's entered is actually a week before it was actually entered. Well, this was a this was a predated record from HR. They went back and set the date earlier than the actual date they put in. So it was disabled within you know one hour of the date that was noted, but the date it was put in was a week later. So, yeah. Yeah. and this was something that we actually implemented. So it was very very easy to be audit ready all the time, like all the time. We had an exact record of, of every single termination that came down the pipe. And we had a heads up every day 
on any that violated our termination policy. And we were able to address those quickly while it was still fresh in everybody's mind about, hey, what happened here? Yeah. And um, that first audit was <laughs> a surprise. It was the easiest segment of the audit that I, I've ever done because the auditors yeah. were, after one or two questions, were very confident that our data was credible, that we understood not only how our process worked, but when it didn't work, what our detective controls were, and how we had remediated it. And um, it became a very, very short conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was just one, one area, right? But it applies to many areas around, around compliance. And uh, when your compliance is tight, your audits go pretty smoothly. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, it's increasingly important. The, the amount of regulation and compliance is only going in one direction, and that's upwards, uh, <laughs> worldwide, really. Um, I, I worked in a team that had to do these things because I was part of a wider security team. And yeah, absolutely. Um, no access reviews were taking almost as long. You know, you, it was like you, you were never done. It was it was a constant process for these teams to to check whether access was being taken away at the right time from the right people. Um, what what's important, particularly uh, for IT asset managers, is that of course. Um, that access comes with a cost in the sense that those individuals are using applications that could be given to other people who are joining the organization. And, and so, so, so there's, there's, a, there's an, a license allocation efficiency there, but also just in general, it's, um, it's, it's just something that's gonna get need to be done everywhere. Um, as IT asset management becomes increasingly involved in compliance and, and internal so so not software license auditing but with you know just business audits um so much that we can do in the itam industry to really support our our colleagues in those roles to um to, to be able to answer these questions quickly as 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 andy's illustrated um i'm conscious we're we're sort of uh, coming on, on time really for the, for the podcast so one final area i wanted to talk about just briefly is um, how does this all hook in with finance and, and, and why would finance be important uh, for something that's effectively managing IT assets? Well, great question. A lot like security, um, while it meets is not specifically a finance tool, uh, none of this stuff comes without a price tag, right? Yeah. And, you know, software licenses, uh, cloud infrastructure, um, uh, hardware, like all of it costs money. And you're, you're never under allocated, right? You're always over allocated. I, I've got tools I bought last month that here at the house and I, I can't find them and I need them. So <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do? I'm going to go buy the same tools again. And you know, a month from now I'll find them. Um, I need new Nitsa for my house. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to overspend because I didn't properly manage the operations within, you know, my, my garage that uh, I, I just don't know where this stuff is. So the ability to understand where my assets are and who's got them and when I expect to get them back. And by assets, I'm not referring traditionally to just physical hardware assets. I'm also talking about software licensing mm -hmm. and, and cloud spend, right? I mean, you and I have probably both got some storage associated with our accounts. It's managed probably out in the cloud. And we've got licenses 
just associated with our access to base platforms um, without even talking about the actual applications that ride on those platforms. Not deallocating those things as, as folks leave an organization is money on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Roughly analogous to my tools that are sitting somewhere in the, in the house that I can't find. Yeah. Um, and it becomes very, very laborious to go and find those extra licenses and understand where everything is. So, and licenses, of course, are particularly difficult. At least, at least physical assets like laptop, you can take, you can take a tour of your stock room and say, what are all those things on the shelf? Yeah. Oh, right, right. And find 500 laptops. Licenses are not quite so easy to see, and they can take some, some digging, right? And Nothing is uh, is less fun, maybe, than having to, you know, talk to your finance team or your your CIO to explain, you know, why you need to buy another 500 licenses when you have fewer people today than you had last quarter, but you were okay on licensing last quarter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. allows you to keep on top of all that by primarily one automatically deallocating and recovering hardware and software licenses and things like that. But also, I mentioned the detective control thing before, right? Also implementing the detective control around compliance. And am I actually getting that laptop back? Is it not floating around out there somewhere now as a security mm -hmm. issue? Uh, uh, a financial issue, meaning it's another laptop I have to buy that I, that I shouldn't? right? As an operational burden. Um, and, you know, I want to be respectful of the time, but that every one of these elements we've talked about today has a financial component. Yeah. And you never underspend. You're always buying to make sure that your population, your user population has what they, what they need, which means if you're not properly tracking and recovering, you're spending money you don't need to spend. Hardware, software, licensing, cloud, all of it. So yeah. that's really the finance angle. Yeah, I, 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 it sort of occurs to me as well that the, the great thing about this is so, so way back at the start of my career, I worked in finance. And if there's one thing that finance people are really great at is counting things, right? Um, <laughs> and, and keeping records, you know, they are data obsessed. We, late 80s, you had systems accountants really bringing IT into finance, you know, originally, um, and they were drivers of, of, of a lot of IT in organisations anyway, because they were interested in record keeping. Um, and so having that data from all of these disparate systems brought together um, to show them with certainty that, well, yeah, th this is our pipeline for hardware, this is our pipeline for software, this is, this is why we're spending this money. Um, it makes those conversations much easier. And I would imagine, I mean, it makes it easier for finance as well because they can, they don't have to kind of really kind of like dig into justifications because it's there in the data. You can see that there's this this, this um, disconnect between, between say demand and supply, for example. So you've got to meet that demand uh, and you don't have the stock. Um, so so I, I think by finishing on finance here, it shows how, yes, very much how this all knits together. Um, enterprise technology management in general and it also makes it um fundamentally it makes it a business process because this is what we see for for, for it asset management we at the itam review passionate 
passionately believe that that ITAM needs to be as important to business as finance is, right? We're, we're managing the same stuff in some ways. Um, we, we, we're supporting business, um, business processes and business value as well. So it, it's great to see a, a fresh perspective on what we do and taking this wider, higher level perspective um, that's really been enabled by these new technologies, these, these APIs, these REST APIs, the, and also the new generation, I would say, of, of companies and, 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 and also coders who are bringing this in um, to, to enterprise now and really kind of operationalizing it and turning it into, well, indeed, turning it into products like Umnitsu have done. Um, Andy, did you have anything to wrap up on here, just, to, just around that, this idea that we've got this new pillar to, to business management with, with enterprise technology management? I mean, you've, you summed it up really well, AJ. And, and I mean, I, I don't think the knowledge is, is new, right? Intuitively, mm -hmm. I think business leaders have understood that the, the ability to actually manage your business is, is not going to be, you're just not going to be effective without understanding how all of these pieces fit together. I think yeah. what's new is sort of that recognition that IT doesn't have a system that does that like finance or HR does. And, and with enterprise technology management that an understanding of how you treat this technology as, as a technology object, right? As, as mm. part of the business. Um, I think that's really the key, the key differentiator, the key change, I guess, that's, that's popped in. And I think that's where, where Unitsa is really focused and where mm. we can help. Yeah. I, I, I no, we've both been in the in the industry a long time, and it, it it sort of prompts to me as well this idea that you know back back in our days as sysadmins we had our systems that we managed, and there were two of us probably quite often um, just yeah. in case one of us didn't turn up for whatever, for whatever reason in a team, and you didn't talk to the other sysadmins. You know your Oracle guys or your SQL Server guys didn't talk to your email guys really um sorry not about their systems because it was all very very siloed and constrained and that's how it has grown up so be, being able to break down these silos first within it and then wider out across other business functions like security compliance yes. and audit and finance really means that it goes from being this black box that no one really understands to making it understandable for people who aren't technical uh, you captured it perfectly. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Andy. Um, it, it's been really interesting talking this through. Uh, it, I, I, I do agree. It's a fresh approach, a fresh perspective, something that we should all look towards um, trying to implement. How can we integrate with these other systems? How can we uh, talk to the stakeholders for those systems? Um, and it might be easier to do that bit to actually meet human to human than it is to get our systems to <laughs> together. <laughs> Um, so, so th this is this is kind of the, the missing link in that. You know, we're very keen to work with new stakeholders, but part of that is getting our systems to talk together and reliably, and and, and so on. So, um, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Um, there'll be more information on on the page for this podcast. Just take a look, look at the show notes, uh, and and so on. And uh, we'll see you all soon. Thank you very much for listening.